Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to episode number 48 of Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Baldacci, and today I'm talking with Dan Golden, president of Be Found Online. Be Found Online was recently awarded a spot on the Inc. 5000 list of the fastest growing private companies in America. If that alone wasn't impressive enough, this was the fifth straight year they've had that honor. So they know a thing or two about growth. Today, Dan shares how they accelerated that growth with agency partnerships, but honestly, the real focus of our talk is how he and his team use open book management to build a high-performing team that made all of this growth possible. So if you could use fully engaged and driven employees, then don't go anywhere because Dan lays out exactly how to get and keep them. So without further ado, here's Dan. Dan, thanks so much for coming on the show. So you started Be Found Online almost 13 years ago, and in that time, you've grown tremendously. But before we dive into how you've actually achieved all that growth, what led to you starting your own agency? You know, in 2007, uh, I was at Performix, and we were acquired by DoubleClick and Google, uh, and the the company was being sold off to to Publicis. I I felt it was a good time then to jump in with both feet uh, and and start for real, right? So... um, I had a, a partner uh, company. It was a, an SEO consulting agency, and we were, I was primarily doing paid search. And we worked together for a couple of years and, and realized we were sharing clients and people. And uh, it tells you a little something about us. We hadn't billed each other for nine months <laughs> and decided to sit down and, and merge companies together. And that was the, uh, the birth of Be Found Online back in the, the very beginning of 2009. The one thing that sets you guys really apart, in my opinion, is that looking over all the media, everything, all the mentions of you, you've been on the Inc. 5000 list, I think it's five consecutive years. Is that right? Indeed. Sustained growth. How have you done that? Great, great question. There's, I mean, there's a bunch of different answers for that, right? So uh, as a marketing services firm or as an agency, um, you don't see sustained growth without delivering really good work, right? So... Um, because every agency goes out and we win new deals and new clients and, and that grows. Um, but oftentimes there's a lot of agencies that are, you know, that are still out there doing that, but are, are stagnant in terms of that top line growth because you're losing clients as a, you know, at the same time you're, you're building new ones. in. so, you know, having a focus on, on client retention and, and quality, that's, you know, that, that's kind of step number one. Uh, if you don't have that figured out, then none of the other stuff is going to work. Um, and I guess I would attribute it to a couple things. One, going where the food is. So we launched, uh, this is back in 2008. Uh, and, and when we, we were literally, we were at a convention in, in Las Vegas because uh, we found one hot tub, uh, a hot tub client or a, a, a manufacturer of hot tubs. And we were their choice vendor for all of these, all of their different dealers. So we were at a hot tub convention in Las Vegas <laughs> at, a, at a diner at three in the morning and literally on napkins, like I'm not making this stuff up in Vegas at three in the morning, we started building out a business plan of kind of how we would, uh, how we would go attack that market and how we would attack the local market um, or, or kind of the channel sales, uh, finding more manufacturers. Um, so that was the original plan. And uh, again, going where the food is, I had no, I, you know, the, it, it, this all came about from a, a referral from my brother uh, who worked with, uh, 
his company worked with a, another company that sold hot tubs. So we did some great marketing programs for them and that got us into the, the vendor, right? So, uh, and then we shifted entirely because we found another revenue stream that was much more lucrative and, and scalable. And so, you know, I, I would attribute our growth to, to finding trends or finding opportunities and jumping at them. What was that? So, what was that new revenue stream you found? Agency partnerships. So, oh. uh, I, I'm just filled with fun stories here, but this is a podcast, so hopefully this yeah. is making it interesting. No, I'm fine uh, I was, with this. <laughs> I was I was at the rooftop of a Cubs game, seventh inning, and uh, for those of you that have been to a rooftop Cubs game, uh, the the libations are uh, they flow freely, and right? So, they don't they don't uh, shut it off in the seventh inning. They do not. Um, so I picked up the phone and. Uh, who, who had called me, I, I made my best attempt to sound coherent. Uh, but it was someone I used to work with who, who kind of saw me posting about what we were doing. And, and he said, uh, okay, my age, I'm at this new agency now. Uh, we don't have any, we don't do anything digital and, and we've got a pitch to do. Uh, and it's, we're giving a pitch to, to pet boys tomorrow. Um, and, uh, I've been, I've been asked to gather some digital slides. Can you, can you help me put some stuff together? And of course I said, sure. Um, so missed the eighth and ninth inning, which a few years ago, I, I wouldn't do that this year, but a few years ago, I was going to say, was, I hope not. Yeah, it was fine. Um, went, uh, went by a coffee shop on the way home and, uh, and stayed up all night working on a deck and analyzing their site and their, their web presence and, and putting together some recommendations. Um, and, uh, the pitch was given. I think there were 100 or 150 slides the next day. We had three, uh, three ideas that were in there. And uh, the client said, uh, we need to start on local search and reputation management, ASAP. And so uh, I needed to figure out how to service as an agency, local search and reputation management, ASAP. Um, so, it was, you know, it started with identifying needs and, and building something around it versus you know, I've got this great idea, I've got a product and I want to go sell it. Um, it was really finding, you know, finding where those opportunities were. Right. You're not trying to force a fit into the market. You're saying this is already out there. Then how can I, how can I give them what they need instead of trying to get them to need what I have? Yeah, exactly. And so that was, we shifted our model because we realized there were a ton of great agencies out there uh, that do creative and TV and, um, you know, and every big agency is, you know, list digital in their capabilities, but the stuff we were really good at between paid search and SEO and analytics, uh, is a gap that a lot of big agencies have, you know, a lot of them still, even to this day have a search guy or, uh, you know, so that was, uh, that became our model initially. And, uh, luckily for us, a lot of the contacts that, uh, at larger agencies don't stay there as, as long as, uh, we've been lucky enough to retain our, our people. Um, so people would go to other agencies and bring us along identifying the same type of need. And, you know, initially the first few years, uh, that's, that's really what accelerated our, our growth is finding, finding partnerships, right? So we were working on enterprise level clients as a 10 person shop. And if we had approached those clients directly as a, as a no name digital marketing firm, you know, we wouldn't get through the front door. We wouldn't, you know, it opened up a, a realm of, of uh, opportunity that smaller, smaller shops don't get directly. What kind of growth do you actually need to get on that Inc. 5000 list? Like, is it, so, is it top line? Is it employees? Like, what do they look at? 
Sure. It's actually, it's very, it's a very simple calculation and I, I can kind of speak to both sides of it. It's, uh, it's three year, it's a three year growth rate. Um, so you have to have a minimum, minimum revenue threshold. I'm not sure exactly what, I think it's a couple million bucks. The ranking is really determined based on top line growth, uh, over a three year period. You could make that list with top line growth and not be making any money. Uh, and it's certainly, a um, something we're proud of and a great honor to be included along with a, a, a ton of great fast growing companies on that list. And something we've actually shifted over the last year is, is being less focused on having to hit specific top line growth numbers and, and focusing a little bit more on, on profitability and net revenue, which is more, you know, more important to a business. Now, you know, if you're, if you've raised capital and, uh, there's certainly a number of reasons why companies target top line growth and we, you know, we do that concurrently, but yeah, the, the ink list is really just around, you know, growth and certainly sustained growth, uh, cause they look over, a over a three year period. Looking over the Inc. 5000 list, you see companies, a lot of them that have raised money. So their motivators really are that top line growth, growth, growth above everything else. For you, though, do you have full ownership? Are there external investors or or is there anything else driving that growth externally for you? Sure. Uh, so we've never taken on, taken on investment. And, uh, you know, I think the business models for a marketing services firm versus a technology are very different. Uh, technology, uh, you know, SaaS platforms are really built for scale and that's how they make money over, you know, over time. Um, you know, with the, with the marketing services firm, uh, now we, we are still planning to grow and, and, you know, we're actually 2016 has been, uh, our, our biggest year yet. But if, um, if I get more profitable next year and we don't gain any more revenue, I'm, I'm happy and our team is happy. I think there's a lot of companies that, you know, that need investment, right? With, uh, with a marketing services firm, our investment is our human capital. And so our growth curve is a lot more linear in terms of adding revenue and adding people um, versus building a technology platform where you have to add a lot of people in order to build something that can drive revenue. Uh, and a lot of those models only work at scale, uh, which is why you seek investment to get that uh, to build and to, you know, to scale. That's how a lot of these billion-dollar companies came out of nowhere. You know, it puts added pressure on otherwise really good companies that are, you know, you take on capital based on a, you know, every founder wants to get the highest valuation possible. Um, but with those higher valuations comes growth targets and revenue targets that, uh, you know, you sort of force yourself into that cycle. And when uh, when things hit, when, when you're a unicorn um, – that's great. That works great for everybody. The founders, the investors are happy. But the flip side of that is, you know, a lot of companies that raise capital based on those aggressive growth expectations, uh, when you fall short of that, or if the market is shifting, um, a lot of those companies disappear that are otherwise have a really great product that uh, could service a segment of the market and uh, continue to grow. And so we're, we're happy about where we're at in terms of controlling our own destiny and uh, focusing on profitability, you know, in, in the agency world, an exit through an acquisition or uh, investment, um, you know, they, profitability is, you know, EBITDA is what, what drives a lot of the agency valuations. And that is not necessarily the case or definitely not the case for a lot of other types of businesses. No, not at all. I mean, if you just look at like WhatsApp or any of those huge mega exits. But it's funny because talking to you more about this, it seems almost like getting on the Inc. 5000 list five consecutive years. That's great. But that was almost 
a byproduct of the good work you were doing. It wasn't really the goal. That was something where it happened because you were growing quickly, but you weren't inherently just trying to grow quickly so you could get these accolades. Is that accurate? Mostly accurate. I, I will say, though, that, that – and we've shifted this semi-recently, uh, and this might uh, bridge, bridge the conversation around you know, our, our open book management approach, uh, which is – you know, we were, you know, we would start the year and we would have top line, top line growth goals. There's a purpose behind it, which is not just to get bigger and make more money, although getting bigger and making more money is nice too. Uh, but, you know, with, with the, the type of agency that we are and the, the number of uh, products and, and, you know, because we, we grew up from being uh, just a search shop and now we're, we're a full service digital agency. And so to build the infrastructure to, to service enterprise clients and uh, to have uh, strong departments and analytics, paid search, SEO, content marketing, social, uh, we need to grow to build more of an infrastructure. So we're less reliant on you know an individual person and more reliant on uh, on departments. So we do have growth goals that I think align with uh, you know a, a good positioning on the on the ink list. But I would say the you know the accolades are really a, a side product. Um, and there are, you know, as we've kind of grown and built out a management team and more infrastructure and processes, uh, I still think we have significant room to, uh, to grow. Um, but you know, that is definitely not our, not the only goal. And we certainly, uh, what's most important to me and with growth and all of this stuff is, uh, um, to not suck as we get bigger, uh, <laughs> right, to maintain, maintain that standards. Maintain the standards, maintain the culture, more important than anything. Because that's, you know, there's a um, many, many a tale of uh, great digital agencies that, uh, that got big and were no longer, you know, no longer great. That's, I think, the most important thing in, in all of this is uh, maintaining our, our culture and our standards as well as uh, staying profitable as we grow. Much, much more important than any, any top line number. Yeah, and, and we talked via email before this interview, and, and a lot of the stuff you talked about was how you invest in your people and just kind of the approach you take to management to make sure that, one, the big picture is the, the openness, but two, to make sure you maintain those standards and everything else. So can you speak a little bit to that management approach that you attribute so much of your success to? Sure. Uh, and this, you know, it ties in with, with uh, culture and, and all of that, but the uh, we're big readers, so we're we've got the whole team reading uh, traction and the EOS system. Uh, the Great Game of Business has been a big uh, inspiration, as well as uh, Small Giants, a book by Bo Burlingham, and there's a Small Giants community, uh, which is a a group of values driven companies, a lot of different industries that are you know trying to do things right. Uh, I'm going to the Conscious Capitalism CEO Summit next week, so we're, we're we get inspiration from a lot of different places and. You know, I, I think if there's a, a common theme that could tie all of that together is, you know, we, we want to do things right. And our our investment is our, our, our people, right? If our, our people leave, not our investment, but our the value of our, our organization and everything we built is the, is the people. And they're your asset. Yeah, they're the, they're the asset. And, and I know how hard everybody works and I know how much uh, how much time we spend at work and I want this to be a place where people can thrive. Working hard and playing hard don't need to be mutually exclusive. Uh, you know, I don't want everybody here living for the weekends and living for 6 p.m. We spend, 
so that's, that's the, I guess, what's behind all of this and wanted to do things right and, and giving people a, a stake in the outcomes. And there's, and this isn't all just, you know, fluffy, lovey dovey stuff. Like there's tangible business benefits we get from that. Because that was one of the, that was one of the questions I kind of asked in the beginning is over email. I was like, well, a lot of agencies say these things. A lot of them, them practice this. Like what about it? Make these not be just cliches. Like no, everyone wants their employees to feel empowered and to do all this. Like, what do you think you do to actually live up to those ideals? It's, it starts with, with information, right? So there's a lot of, uh, I, you know, I was at a big agency and we would have quarterly meetings and they would talk about our EBITDA the last month or the last quarter and how we're doing overall. But it was so disconnected from anything I did on a, on a daily basis. And I think the, the premise behind the great game of business and how we approach it is to empower employees to affect change and affect those critical numbers. Um, as opposed to just, here's how we did last. It was a good quarter or it was a bad quarter, right? I'm, I'm more, I'm more concerned with getting the, getting our people thinking about what can I do to make this quarter awesome as opposed to how was last quarter. Um, so the difference between, and there's a lot of different business philosophies and, we've taken a lot of things from the great game of business and we've learned from a lot of other companies and there isn't, you know, one prescribed right way to do this. You got to feel out your organization. And, um, frankly, we, you know, we hit a lot of speed bumps trying to implement, uh, implement this. And, um, you know, there's a lot of learning involved, but to me, it's around empowering employees that they actually have an effect on those critical numbers. You know, when I, when I was a, an account director at a, at a large agency, I had, I had no idea what the company spent on health insurance. And, you know, I, I think the assumption uh, without looking at the numbers for a lot of people is that, you know, the agency owners and VPs are making tons of money and screwing everybody else. And, uh, you know, I, I, re- I remember looking at my book of business and how much revenue I was, uh, I was driving for the company and wondering why I wasn't getting paid 10 times as much. Uh, if, and I, I think if I had, if they had, taken me through the financials and explained, well, we've got to fund a sales team that doesn't drive ongoing revenue and, and the infrastructure and then the technology and every, like, if I understood all that, I think I would have been less entitled as a, as a young employee. Uh, and, and so it's getting everybody thinking like a business owner and ideally, um, giving, giving targets. So we have, we have bonus incentives every quarter. And we talk every week about how we're doing towards those towards those goals. Uh, a great example, uh, you know, a, a year or two ago, um, we had a twenty twenty thousand dollar gap uh, to hit the next bonus tier in a in a given quarter. And you know, we go, we went through every line item. And we're like, what can we do about driving new revenue? And people are throwing out ideas. And then we look at our cogs. And you know, for us, cogs are cost of goods sold our technology platforms and vendors and, uh, and our use of, uh, external resources for stuff. And, you know, we had someone on our team, a junior, junior analyst who's like, well, we're, we're spending 12,000 a year on, you know, X, Y, Z platform. And I, I could pull those reports and just create a macro in Excel that can do 80% of that. Um, why don't we cut that expense and put that back to the bottom line? So you, you know, by setting, getting people to think that way, you know, the, the, that line in office space, like, is this good for the company? Uh, well, that doesn't work if that's the only thing, if that's <laughs> just a statement, 
if you don't have the uh, context and everything else around it. Right. So if you provide the context and, and show metrics of like, well, actually, uh, that that got us, you know, 60% there, 60% to giving everybody a $1,000 bonus um, in, the, in the company. Now, that's like, that's real. That's, um, you know, a very tangible uh, um, incentive and it, uh, it aligns with action. What we had originally talked about was the great game of business, but it seems like you draw inspiration from a lot of different areas. And I'm curious to, to take a step back and is your management style, like, are you able to get this ownership from employees, treat them all like CEOs by just opening up the books and that's it? Or, or it seems like there has to be more to it than that. So can you talk a little bit about kind of ground level, getting the buy-in, getting this on board? What, what do you need to do sure. to get this ownership uh, from the employees? Yeah. Um, so one thing I would say is, uh, is consistency. And this is, a uh, um, as a, you know, if you're an agency owner or a business owner listening to this, um, it's a big commitment because once you, once you open up the books, once you start aligning bonus structures with, you know, with company performance and all of that, um, it's, a, it's a lot of work. So you got to know that ahead of time. And, uh, you know, it's, it's scary to, to give. Uh, to give that level of insight to, you know, to everybody, especially the people who are going to be asking for raises next quarter. And when you say you open the books, like, do they know how much you make? Do they know what, how open are these books? We have a line item for, for salaries and benefits, but that's the one thing. And we look at it by department because we look at profitability of our different products and departments. Um, And we've had a couple of like single person departments where it gets, let's just say you could draw the lines together. Um, so that's that's the one thing that uh, we don't uh, we don't dive into, and there's good good reason for that. But in terms of our you know breaking down all the costs, expenses, travel expenses, you know basically every everything that rolls up to a line item, um, we're very you know very transparent about all that. Um, you know I think uh, we were going through our healthcare renewal, and we've um, uh, we're, we're lucky we've got a, an insanely great healthcare plan and. Um, only a minimal, in, I think it's six percent increase over the next year, um, which is which is great. Um, but when we showed people like this is how much the company is spending on your healthcare, people appreciate that more. It's less of a, they're like, oh, okay, that's why we need to drive profitable engagements more so than you know, that's that's why we need we need to hit certain numbers so we can keep funding all of this stuff. Uh, so, um, but building on that though, why? Why is the transparency so important? Because it seems like that's the really the big driving factor. We we touched on it uh, like here and there with about giving context to decisions and all that. But I, I want to hear why you think the transparency itself is so crucial to making this work. Because uh, none of the um, none of the things that we're trying to accomplish uh, are going to work if if people aren't bought in. If they don't have ownership, if they don't feel like they have ownership in the company. Um, you know, I think one of the, in the engagement surveys that we do, like we want people to feel like this is their company. You know, our, our people really care. Like when we've had vendors that are trying to upcharge us, like people get heated about it because uh, they really, because they care. Uh, I mean, that's, that's one of the, I've heard from dozens of our employees in different situations, you know, when they're negotiating with clients or whatever it is, I think there's a lot of companies out there where it's like, all right, I'm traveling, just put it on the company. Uh, and so we have that same approach with traveling. Like 
people who are traveling and they know what our expense budget is. If we want more people to be able to travel, we've got per diems guidelines, but we're also like, you know, go eat lunch like you would go have lunch. Don't go have a $50 lunch because you can put it on the company. And that works on the flip side. So we, you know, we encourage people to, if we're booking travel and they've got a meeting in New York on Friday and they want to stay the weekend and we'll fly them back Monday instead of Friday, like it's a, it's a two way street. It's not just, you know, because the company looks out for people like that, then uh, they have more buy-in to look out for the company. You know, it's a give and give, not just a give and take. Getting that kind of buy-in and and uh, and that approach is really hard to do because there's a lot of different uh, a lot of different areas where where you have to act act that way. So it's um, and again, it, you know, it it pays dividends to the bottom line, even if it doesn't seem like it, you know, directly. Why do you think it is that this sort of open book style of management, open book style of running a business is so rare? Did you have any reservations before you went fully open book? Like, was there anything that you're like, oh, like, I'm just curious why others don't do it. And if there are any reasons why you were hesitant to to go this route. Yeah. I mean, I, I was just hesitant based on the, it wasn't the the sharing aspect. It was just the the amount of work it took us to build these dashboards and have, you know, we're a marketing services firm. So our hours and resources are our asset. So we've got a, a half an hour meeting every week with the full team. So a half an hour, 50 people, 50 weeks a year, like there's a big investment in doing this, uh, you know, a big resource investment. So, uh, and that, that, you know, I've talked to a lot of, uh, I've talked to other business owners, agency owners and, uh, I feel like there's a lot more, uh, when I've talked to, to owners that don't, you know, that don't do this, they're, you know, they've, uh, they don't think it's a bad idea. It's just, it's, hasn't been prioritized. Like we get a lot of, I get a lot of ahas and a lot of, man, I would love to, you know, I would love to do this. Like I'm fine sharing the books if people ask, uh, but it's, you know, it has to be a method of running your company. And, and, and I, I've heard from a couple of, couple of very profitable companies, um, I, and I will quote, um, I don't want people knowing how much money we're making. You know, I've heard, I've heard that too. Uh, I wish I had that problem. Um, right. <laughs> but that's, you know, I think there's a lot of different, you know, a lot of different reasons. And, um, you know, for a lot of agency owners, it's, uh, um, if it's not a, you know, there's so many, so many projects and priorities in an organization. If this isn't, perceived as a problem that needs fixing very easy for that not to be prioritized. But I guess what we found is that, uh, this is the method by which we fix a lot of our problems and issues and opportunities. I want to dig into that a little bit because you talk about the problem that fixes. And I want to dig into that a bit for, so for listeners who are tuning in and trying to figure out, is this something I need to do? Like what problems do you see this open style of management fixing or, or at least preventing? So there's a lot of stats out there on employee engagement and how very uh, unengaged the workforce is. And there is money that every company on earth is losing because their employees aren't engaged. Um, You know, there's a lot of ways to define engagement. uh, But, you know, there's a huge amount of underutilized resources because, you know, if someone can zone out on lunch for take a two hour lunch because they can get away with it. Um, versus have an employee that cares that wants to take that extra hour to work on a blog post for your company or something like there's a such a 
tough to measure, but a very tangible benefit to organizations from uh, from having an engaged workforce. So, you know, it, uh, the the problems in, a, in a, any any company or organization of you know, there's a multitude, and you know, certainly you could say, all right, if people are wasting time, then there's obviously great platforms out there to track that, and you 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 would uh, I'm I'm giving you a I'm giving you an opportunity to to pitch. Uh, it's a pitch here. If Dan wants me to pitch, I'll pitch. So hang tight. We'll be back in just 30 seconds after this quick word from our sponsor. The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so that you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets or whatever else your team decided to use that week and start getting the insights you need that can only come from having accurate data all in one place. Our best clients are agency owners. And while they love the accountability that comes with it, it's sort of like Upwork, but without the crazy fees where they really find the value is by being able to connect Hubstaff with their project management tool to see how much time it really takes to deliver each part of a project. Think of it as Google Analytics for your team. I've been absolutely blown away by how many times an agency owner has come up to me and said, Andy, we started using Hubstaff a month ago, and after looking over the data, we realized we've actually been losing money on one of our most popular services. If you don't know what your real profit was in your last project, then you'd need to try Hubstaff out. To say thanks for tuning into the show, Hubstaff is offering all of our listeners a 30% discount on all of our plans. All you need to do is head over to try.hubstaff.com forward slash podcast and use the coupon code ADVANTAGE. That's try.hubstaff.com forward slash podcast and coupon code ADVANTAGE. All right, let's get back to Dan. Uh, you know, so our what we're trying to do is give... Uh uh, give that level of, of buy-in, um, you know, so I, I guess not trying to address one problem directly, it's, a, I guess, an indirect way to do that. And, you know, learning from, there's the, there's the laws of threes and tens that uh, we've talked to a lot of growing companies about, which is that every, every, every multiple of, not multiple of three and ten, uh, everything you've done breaks. So when you're a three-person consultancy, and you start adding a few people and suddenly you're a 10 person agency, uh, everything that you were doing that worked really well when you were three breaks. And when you grow and you hit 30, everything that worked when you were a 10 person company, like, and we felt this, like when we were a 10 person agency, we would have an all hands on deck meeting and we would run through all accounts and go. And if we try and did that, do that today, it's well, we did that. We, we were doing that. And then it was like a day and a half of meetings that all of us were in. And, and so the things that worked at 10 don't work at 30. And the things that work at a 30 person company don't work at a, when you, when you hit a hundred. Uh, and I'm, I'm convinced cause we're between 30 and a hundred right now that there are other breaking points, you know, that the threes and tens isn't necessarily right. This uh, is, that's not the only one. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's part of it is trying to, um, trying to address those things before they, you know, before stuff breaks and, you know, to build, uh, to, to build and maintain um, culture, we got to work at it. Uh, it's not just going to happen. It's not just going to happen because we have posters on the wall or we have happy hours on Friday or all the, all the fun perks that we – and we've got a lot of fun perks, by the way. But uh, that, all that stuff helps. Um, but it's something that you have to work really hard on because that, you know, that comp- employee engagement is everything. If you've got uh, – folks that are burnt out and not bought in and you know that makes recruiting harder it makes your client retention lower it uh you know 
people use more, you know, waste more hours. Like every, I think every problem that a that an agency has could probably um, probably find its way back to that uh, that engagement, right? So we're trying to go after the source as opposed to you know fixing every little problem. And of course, we have to do a little bit of both. No, and I like how you phrase that. It reminds me a lot of I spoke with Bob Ruffalo of Impact Branding and Design a couple months back, and his big thing is how company culture, it's talked about so much, but so rarely is it actually embodied in the way that businesses run. Like you said, you might have these nice posters on, you might have these random events or choir everyone to go and this and that. And it's like, that's not what it's about. In that if you want to have a high-performing team of people who genuinely care about each other in the business, you need to build principles into the business that that embody that and actually encourage that. And it seems like a lot of what you've done does that. And having this culture where it truly is something more than just – you're not just paying lip service to it. Yeah. And I, I think – and this is an exercise we're going through right now because it's really easy to measure the health of the business from a revenue standpoint. Um, but we're currently, you know, brainstorming ways that we can measure the other things that really matter to us in terms of culture and engagement and, uh, you know, employee, um, employee happiness, really. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of different things that we, that we look at cause it's a really tough thing to quantify, right? There's, there's great platforms like, uh, um, tiny pulse, you know, to get a pulse on your, your employees. There's, employee engagement platforms we're looking at, uh, there's general surveys, you know, we've done a lot of, uh, we've, we've been on the best and brightest companies to work for list, And there's a, actually a number of those, uh, awards applications that actually give us a very good read on, you know, from employee surveys, agency owners love to get awards and shiny objects and all of that. Um, but it is, you know, an, a, a, a metric on employee engagement. So, uh, that's, that's one thing that, um, I think it, businesses need to need to focus on is measuring this stuff because I, you know, we've talked in a, a lot of our meetings when we're brainstorming what to do to make you know our people happy. What, how, how can we make things better for everybody? And uh, oftentimes, you know, there are opinions that someone on our leadership uh, leadership team will will express, and and really that's just feedback they heard from one person over coffee last week. And, and to get real data on what people care about and, um, and how they're feeling about the direction of the company and how we operate and, uh, and what we can get better at, right? I mean, the, the great game of business, uh, Jack Stack was built, uh, built for a manufacturing company where they wanted, uh, you know, the line workers, the people that were, you know, instead of just management making, uh, making suggestions, they wanted people that are getting their hands dirty and doing the work to be thinking about the company and, and what what are the innovative ideas that they have? Um, that's really what what's kind of what's behind it all is we want input from input and ideas from anyone and everywhere. No, and it seems like you clearly have a system in place. I know you said there were a ton of road bumps along the way. You had some issues, but you figured it out, and it's you're clearly evolving as you go on. But it seems like you have the culture, the mentality that helps encourage that sort of employee ownership that allows you to do this. So I'm curious, so to slowly start wrapping things up a little bit, how can an agency owner who's listening to this and they want to get started with this, they want to get these employees who really do care, who have that buy-in, do they just open up their books and, and say, oh, let's let's do it? Like, How would you recommend them to ease into a system like this? Uh, give me a call. 
seriously though, I, we've had we've had other businesses and companies and partners to sit in on our, our Thursday um, great game of business company meeting. Um, there's there's other other great mentors and implementers out there that can that can help uh, help provide some guidance and and uh, consulting. So it's it's tough to kind of figure it all uh, figure it all out for yourself. Um, so. You know, I, I would say do some do some reading. You know, the Great Game of Business book, tons of tons of great books out there, and and just talk to other talk to other companies that are in it, and because they're you know we we've certainly taken our lumps along the way and learning what works and what doesn't and how to message things within our group, but we, we also got some great guidance early on that that scared us away from uh you know from doing some stuff that probably wasn't the best idea, um so. Yeah, I think uh, you know, test it out with a small, you know, a small pilot because that's agency owners. You get, I'm sure, you get the financial statements from uh, uh, from your accounting team or from your CFO, um, and try and build a dashboard that you know. Frankly, the uh, the stuff we built to show the company is also really helpful for me as a business owner to keep a pulse on the on the business. What are the metrics that you have in that dashboard? Uh, so we look at it's, I mean, it's really evolved. So we look at everything, you know, originally it was just how are we tracking to in terms of top line, top line growth and overall profitability for, uh, for the quarter. Um, we've, we've added a ton to it. So we look based on different product lines, you know, how is paid search versus SEO versus content? Um, how are the different products performing? Uh, we've got a sales dashboard in there. So the team can start getting some visibility into who's in the pipeline and what's coming next. Uh, we've got marketing talking about leads and what we're doing. Uh, so it's it's turned into almost an overall business update. And uh, the the piece I think we're missing that we're trying to address for next year is also uh, also looking at um, other other metrics that define success. And this is where I think conscious capitalism comes in. Uh, in that you know we're not just about uh, driving shareholder value because I'm one of two shareholders here uh, is not the sole purpose of this organization. I, I say that as a capitalist who likes making money and wants to make more money, sure, uh, but that can't be the only you know the only goal of this organization. Right? We want to kick ass and do great work for our clients. We want our people to be happy. We want them to grow. Um, we want to you know we offer volunteer days off. We want to you know we're um, we're closing on election day uh, to get everybody out to vote. We want to um, we want to do all these things, and uh, you need to hold yourself accountable and, and measure uh, measure yourself and your team against you know the things that you find important. I mean, honestly, that's amazing advice. And to wrap things up, you've you've talked a lot about your vision in bits and pieces, but but I'm curious, what do you see as what is your long term goal? for be found online where do you see yourself in, in five ten years what would make you say like all right this has been a success sure uh so our our vision statement is building a better agency with serious integrity uh which i think wraps in everything we're, we're trying to do so you know we've got the three and five year plans uh we've we've gotten rid of top line numbers so we're focused on on driving levels of uh levels of profitability over time so, I, I mean, I think we have room to grow within our existing structure. You know, I, I think our, our hope is to be, uh, as we grow, uh, to continue being the best at what we do. Um, so, I don't know, this is nebulous. Like, there isn't, there isn't a magic number. 
Um, you know, we, uh, that being said, like we're not a, um, we're not shooting for scale. I, I think we'd be very happy in five years, uh, building a sustainable agency, uh, you know, that's, that's got a hundred or 150 people and, uh, a great book of happy clients. Uh, that, that to me would be a success and we're, you know, we're well on our way towards that. And, uh, you know, talking about those employee surveys and, and metrics that we care about along the way, um, we're obviously on our way to being a much bigger agency. I want to make sure we don't suck uh, and stay <laughs> try, uh, quoting Joe Madden here as a, as we're a, uh, 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 I would say a, a Cubs agency. Um, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a Boston guy, so I'm still reeling a little bit from the way the Red Sox went out, but I think for the rest of this, for the rest of the season, I'm, I'm cheering for the Cubs though, at least. All right. We'll tell you, listen, we got Theo. So he's yeah. he lives down the street from our uh, uh, from BFO actually. So. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> but, no, but no, Dan. I mean, you shared so much great stuff with us. Uh, but if listeners do want to reach out to you, or if they want to just follow along and see what your agency is up to, where should they go for that? All right, thank you for the opportunity to plug and pitch. Uh, BeFoundOnline.com. <laughs> We've got a blog. I'm actively writing on there. Um, you can find me on the Twitter at uh, at the Golden Dan. Uh, and my email is very complicated. It's dan at befoundonline.com. So, uh, D-A-N. D-A-N. There we go. Uh, so ha- I'm very accessible, happy to answer any questions or, or uh, point anybody in the right direction and uh, always happy to make connections and meet great folks. So, Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great rest of your Thursday. Thanks. It's funny, there are so many agencies that use cliche phrases like, our employees are our biggest asset to describe their team. When you dig into it, you realize they don't actually treat their employees like they're their biggest asset. With Dan and BeFound Online's commitment to open book management, they give more than lip service to those cliches. In the early days of an agency, through grit, brute strength, and long hours, you can rely almost solely on yourself. But if you keep that attitude and that mindset as you grow, you're going to be in for a rude awakening pretty quickly. Because even if you can't succeed that way, your life is going to be filled with stress as you have to work long hours and put out fire after fire. To truly get ahead, you need a team that is empowered and acts like owners and entrepreneurs themselves. You need a team that doesn't just follow orders, but a team that actively works to improve the business because they care. Not only will everyone be happier, but your business is going to be much, much stronger because of it. And one of the best ways to empower employees like that is through open book management. And whether you want to follow the great game of business model like Dan or want to create a unique blend yourself, it's important to realize that if you really want to be surrounded by a team working towards a common goal, you need to treat them like the asset they really are. And that starts by opening up your books. That's all I have for you this week. If you enjoyed the show and learned something, head over to iTunes and leave a review. Tell me what it was that you learned. I love hearing from listeners and positive reviews really help us grow our audience. So if you can take a second to do that, I'd really appreciate it. All right. I'll talk to you next week. See ya.